All right, man. Welcome to the parlay. Real people, real talk. Today, I got here the Nature Man, uh, Darcy LOS Strategy. Brother, thanks for joining. Yo, I'm telling you, man, I've been watching your shit for a while and it's pretty cool. Like, uh, I don't see many people doing your thing uh, or at least sharing it the way uh, that you are. Um, I think it's a very unique uh, little niche you've uh, built for yourself, man. Talk to me about how you got into how you got into this kind of thing, man. How you how you developed your your know-how with this kind of thing. Oh, um, man. Well, let me first say I'm really grateful to be here. I, I appreciate the invite a lot. I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, I think it was kind of a mix of mixture of things. Like as a kid, I was in Boy Scouts till I was probably about 10 or so. Um, and that was I mean, you know, as everybody knows, playing out in the woods all the time with your buddies is always fun. Um, picked up some skills there, but more just like the right mind space, you know, like we had some like hard, hard scout uh, organizers that would put us in like, I don't want to say harm's way, but they kind of like, for like a bunch of kids, they would really push our limits. Um, so that was probably really good. I mean, it probably gave me a decent base for a lot of uh, like being out in the woods at night, being out in the woods in the cold, um, not being too scared of cougars and bears and things like that. Um, kind of like good prerequisites for really being comfortable out there. And then, uh, yeah, I guess probably in my twenties, I started to feel more called, um, because I come, I'm a city boy by nature, you know, like I was, I was born and raised on Vancouver Island and it's a, it's a small Island with a, a tiny little city on it. And I spent a good chunk of my earlier years in that city. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't super adapted to the wilderness outside of Boy Scouts, um, but we grew up really poor, so I was really adaptive to my environment. Um, I, I remember dumpster diving when I was like seven or eight years old and coming home with all kinds of stuff. My mom was losing her fucking mind. It's, it's like, where did you find this and why the hell are you in the garbage? <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I adapted a lot of the same skill set uh, as a youth into my adulthood when I started practicing um, these kinds of outdoor skills and things like ninjutsu, because a lot of it's about adaptation. And so when I was like in my 20s, started to feel a call to the woods. Um, I started like, <laughs> I started building these massive like gardens. I was living in an apartment building and I started building this massive garden on my porch. Um, and I just, I needed it. I needed it in my life. And I was out forging mushrooms all the time um, because I felt a connection to them. Um, I should back up. Okay. I got into hallucinogens as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, me probably. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like it's kind of a golden teacher that way, you know. It's like we can learn a lot from it. And for me, um, when I got into when I got into mushrooms as an adult, magic mushrooms as an adult, uh, DMT as an adult, um, I started looking at it a bit differently. And by doing that and creating a different type of set and setting, I created a deeper connection with the with the spirit allies. And in doing so, they introduced me back to the forest world um and that's what got me building this crazy jungle on my porch that was like <laughs> freaking nuts man um and then yeah things just kind of spiraled from there i went into herb school 
back in 2009, uh, learning herbal medicine under a number of different teachers. Um, I went into uh, studying mushrooms. I learned um, directly from Paul Stamets at a weekend workshop um, and then stayed in touch with him for off and on for a number of years, uh, getting other little tips about growing and cultivating and harvesting wild mushrooms. Um, worked for a company as a developer of um, home, home cultivation kits. And we did a lot of like uh, really cool stuff with mushrooms as far as like teaching them how to grow on different mediums. So not the usual mediums. We, we, we basically train them to grow on toilet paper rolls. Um, we trained right. them to grow on any sort of paper. Um, then I went on to work for Harmonic Arts, which was like a, they're like a, a dispensary company that sells like wild plants and mushrooms and tinctures and cells and stuff like that. Now, what's um, what's the what's the focus? What's the main focus with the mushroom? Because it seems to be something that you you're spending a lot of time on. What's the benefit? Oh man, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. Okay, so like I got into survival shit when I was probably in my early mid twenties. I got into the idea of like uh, doomsday prepping um, before there was any TV shows, before there was any movies or anything. I was just it was something in the back of my head, and uh, you know I had read and studied Revelations. Um, yeah, man. Kid. And you know, and then I like I studied a lot of other prophecies when I, in my youth. I got really deep into the occult and studied a lot of different religions and saw this, you know, saw this, uh, this pattern, a lot of them speaking of needing to be prepared for something in the future. And so, um, basically that's what got me into herb school. That's what got me studying mushrooms. Hmm. I was looking for, um, the best ways to create uh, high level natural nutrition in a way that I didn't have to bring it with me. So instead of like packing a shit ton of food with you, being able to find most of your food where you're going. Um, and the mushroom was kind of the pinnacle of that. Like plants are great, like trees are great. I can get a crazy amount of nutrition from them, but um, the mushrooms add a level of um, almost like le next level nutrition as far as they operate almost like a snake oil. They fix so many different problems in your body. Wow, I had no idea. No, and you know we're not we're not taught this stuff. Like I, you know, I studied a bit of nutrition, and even um, the courses that a lot of people would take, uh, you know. When, when you're a personal trainer, you take all kinds of courses um, on how to help your clients. And the courses that we're given for nutrition are usually garbage. You know, they leave out a lot of really high level, easy to find natural nutrition. So like stuff that we can find in our backyards and our parks that do more for our body than $500, $500 worth of supplements, um, simply sure. because of what our body connects to within the plant. And mushrooms are that same way. It's you can um, create a hot water extraction out of a wild mushroom, and you now have something that is a stream, extremely potent tonic that you can take on a daily basis that'll help to build um, soft cell tissue. So if you're you know damaged from sparring, um, it has an anti-inflammatory effect where you know free radical scavenging all the stuff in your body that your body would normally just get inflamed over helps to remove it and helps to heal it. Um, and it does the same thing for your immune system. It's uh, immune modulating, so it balances out your immune system. If it's hyperactive, it slows it down. If it's stagnant, it fires it up. Um, 
just kind of a fucking list of things, you know what I mean? That these mushrooms that's, will do. That's fucking amazing, man. I had no clue. Yeah, dude, it's crazy, man. Crazy. It's and it's one of those things that like once you get into it, you start applying it, it's hard to go back against it. You just keep moving forward. Well, full full disclosure, man, you've got me very interested, and I've messaged you a few times about it because I think uh, as a martial artist. You know, it's not just about the kicking and the punching and, and everything else. It's how to live off the land. It's how to live with yourself internally, externally. And like you say, your environment around you. Everybody says that shit. Oh, your environment around you. They, they always think about like the self-defense kind of context and shit like that. But it's, it's not just about that. It's about well-being. And oh, yeah. it, this is a huge component missing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm recognizing it through what you're doing. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm really going to consider myself a martial artist, I need to... These are all fucking things we need to know as a human being to survive. Totally, right? totally. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm really digging it, man. So when you started to develop your, you know, your education in this, what was the trial and error like? You ever get fucking sick off this shit? Like, because <laughs> I'm sure oh, like, that's what's got me worried, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you should be. You should be cautious for sure. Um, yeah, though, I've been pretty lucky, man. I, uh, I had some really good teachers. Um, a lot of like, I had some really awesome hands-on people who were like, when I went to herb school, our herb teacher, our main herb teacher, Betty Norton, she was amazing or is amazing. She, uh, she breaks everything down in a way that, I mean, you know, it's like anything like new training sparring partner, let's say for instance, guy shows up at the gym. Um, you see him hitting the bag. He looks really quick. Um, he looks, he's got some good balance. You know, he's really agile. He's got a lot of power. Um, when it's time to connect like when it's time to spar with him there's a moment where trust has to be built you mm -hmm. know what i mean like um you don't want like when i was in thailand i always go through the same thing it's like i ask the guy who i'm about to spar with i say where are you from first thing where are you from and if he's from a certain place in the world i know this is not going to be sparring it's going to be fighting mm -hmm. i ask him what's his name um if he grunts at me i know there's a problem if uh, I ask him how long he's going to be at the gym for, because I usually stayed in camps, um, if he's only there for the day, I know for sure this is not sparring. If his girlfriend shows up with the camera, I know it's <laughs> go time. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's kind of the same way, like when you're learning plants, um, you want to develop a relationship through trust. And um, eventually you'll get to know that plant so well that, you'll be driving in the car and at the corner of your eye, you'll see five or six plants in a row on the side of the road and immediately your body picks up on all those, it recognizes all those plants right away and it tells you what they're good for right away. And you go through a list of people in your life that might need one of those things that's in that plant. And it happens in a split second. Um, and it's from developing that relationship. And so our teacher, what she did was, she'd bring in like a bag of dried herbs when I first started learning from her. And she would, they would all be dried up together, like five or six different herbs. And she put them down on the ground and she'd get us to separate them to figure out which one was which. Hmm. And then she would get us to tell her about each one, what we knew about it, what it was good for, what seasons does it grow best in, what relationship it might have to different trees, plants, and fungus around the area, what type of animals enjoy it the most. So we'd develop these really strong relationships um, with each of these plants uh, before we really jumped onto another plant. Um, and so I kind of took a similar approach after that, um, when I was wanting to learn plants after, after herb school. So I would 
um, look for like if I went to a new neighborhood or a new country, I'd look for a plant or a mushroom that was in the most highest concentration. And I would really define it from the rest of the plants or the trees or the mushrooms. Um, I'd go through um, what we call a key. Um, I would look at the entire shape of the leaf, whether, you know, all the way from like where the, the veins are coming out from the middle. Um, are they side by side or are they just off? Um, are the edges of the leaf rounded or spiked? Does it come to a point or does it round off? Is it shiny or is it, you know, like all these little details, you go through all these details. So you really know which plant mushroom or whatever it is. And then you look it up huh. and you learn it the same way as Betty Goss to learn it. You learn every freaking detail about it. And it creates that relationship of trust that when you do go into the woods, you know, that's the one it's, you've gone through the key so many times. Um, and if it's a new plant or a new mushroom, just take a little bit of it, you know, just consume a small amount of it okay. so that you're not just like fucking That's having a horrible reaction or something. You know what I mean? Have you ever had a horrible reaction? No, no, I'm good, man. I'm, I've been oh, pretty right. good, but like I, I have had friends who have. I, oh man, what's the what's been the most severe one? Well, there's a mushroom called uh, Chicken of the Woods, um, and it's actually really tasty. It's uh, a big, bright yellow shelf mushroom. It's a wood lover, so it grows off trees. And when you cook it up and you eat it, it kind of tastes like a lemon garlic chicken a bit. Um, really? Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, but, 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 but there's a percentage of the population, like 14% of the population, who don't have the enzymes to break it up. So if they eat it, they'll throw it up within about 20 minutes or so. Um, and not like throw up from like being sick or like drinking too much. Your body just rejects it. So like I haven't had that happen to me, but I've eaten the same mushroom and then given some of it to a friend and watched them have that same reaction with chicken in the woods. Um, so it's, yeah, like most, most plants and mushrooms won't do that. There's really only a few that um, kind of fall into that spectrum of, uh, edibles that people don't contain the right enzymes for. Um, yeah. So nothing too major, Matt. It's, you know, the thing is it's either you're, you're either okay or you get a little sick or you die. It's kind of one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> you die. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why I haven't been fucking picking shrooms in the woods. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're sketchy, man. Mushrooms. I would suggest, um, plants you can do by yourself with a book pretty easy yeah. mushrooms you can but it's really tricky so it's always good to have somebody with you that knows why why is that are they just so similar in appearance that it's very hard to differentiate little tiny details um little tiny details that when you're excited from the find you might miss mm. you know it's like um fuck it, there's this uh this mushroom like an agaricus uh like you know the white button mushrooms we're used to seeing at the grocery store yeah those are a type of agaricus mushroom um, called a field mushroom and those mush that particular mushroom has a very large family and most of them are totally edible um, there's a couple that could give you some like diarrhea some vomiting and stuff like that and then there's a mushroom from another family called anamita and the anamita family has two mushrooms that will kill you dead like will liquefy your liver inside your body uh, and fun. kill you what are those they look the same, dude. They're like almost the same. <laughs> yeah, I might want to try this with somebody else. Ed. I, it, you know what, man? I, I swear it's like it's nature's way of like weeding us out. It's like you right? pay the fuck attention or I'll liquefy your liver. You know, yeah, it's like 
<laughs> it's kind of tricky. That's good. So how often are you? How often do you have this in your diet daily? I'm assuming drinking it right now. But like, yeah, man, I got right now. I got um, uh, I got a red belted polypore, um, which is a type of medicinal conch. So it's like a tree loving uh, mushroom. Uh, I got artist, which is also another type of tree loving conch. Uh, chaga mushroom. Um, a little bit of uh, usnia, which is a type of lichen. Lichen's a lichen is a, a parasitized. It's an algae that's been parasitized by fungus. So it's kind of like a hybrid of both algae and fungus. Um, and then I got a couple other things in here. I got some dental work done uh, last week um, to fix another dental problem they did a month ago. It created an infection. So something like this, I can drink it um, as a tonic. It's really good for my body. Um, but at the same time, it'll clear up any sort of infection that's going on in my face right now. So if I've been in the woods where um, I've seen people get really bad staph infections and we're too far out in the woods to really do anything about it. So there's a combination of different plants and mushrooms and roots that we can boil up and then create a topical uh, wash that will then clear that right up. Wow. Um, so same kind of idea. Man, Peter, this is like a this is like a hidden fucking gem, man. Mm. It really is a hidden gem. Like honestly, I think I think people need to start really, and this is exactly why I wanted to have you on here, man. Because I, this is something that's invaluable that people need to start educating themselves on, and on oh, Yeah. So, with regards to like the plants and stuff, like now, what plants? are the most beneficial in your region for for consumption and why well um it's a good question so here in the bc west coast um as far as plants go the i, I really like the chickweed chickweed is a really good plant you guys will have it out in toronto also um it's one that's right across the country it's uh i really like chickweed because it's tastes a bit like fresh like fresh corn um it's really high in vitamin c high in a number of other vitamins and minerals uh it's a strong antioxidant really good anti-inflammatory um it's also very high abundance so it's easy to find a lot of it um another cool effect it has is is what we call um uh it's like it has like almost like a a cooling effect to it um, and at the same time, it's a diuretic, so it'll help you to pee, clean out anything like that from your kidneys, from your lymph glands, um, through urine. So if you, if you made a tea of it and drank a lot of water with it, it would help to flush a lot of different toxins out. But at the wow. same time, it has a cooling effect on the layer of um, cells on the inside of your ventricles that help your blood flow. So there's like one of the parts that makes your blood flow is the amount of... Um, oxygen oxygen that's in it but it's also the nitrogen that's in it and that gets pushed um that gets produced and pushed through the blood through these this endothelial layer that's on the inside of the ventricles of your, of your vessels and so the chickweed will actually help to keep those strong and healthy um in turn giving you really uh good blood flow throughout your body which i mean that affects everything from healing to temperature um you know people talk about getting cold in the winter if you have good blood circulation, there's less chance of getting cold because all the blood's flowing back to your core. Right. Back out. So chickweed's a big one for me. Um, again, it's it's easy to find. It's in high abundance. Um, cleavers, 
cleavers you'd know from your childhood. It's the one that gets stuck to you uh, when you're running around the fields, gets stuck in your clothes. Oh, those little birds and shit? Yeah, yeah, it's like vel Velcro. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that plant, that plant itself, that's a good one to know. Um, that's called cleavers. And cleavers has a lookalike, which is um, called bed straw. They're almost almost identical, slight variation, um, but both completely edible. Neither of them at all toxic. Um, and they, they're both really high in vitamins like A, C, and K and a whole range of minerals, but also work to clean out parts of your body like they're another diuretic. So they'll clean out, uh, you know, lymph glands, kidneys, liver. Um, and whenever, the more you can clean out any added residual stuff out of your body, just the more um, easier body works. It's like at a construction site, there's all these off cuts when you're building a house, like every two by four gets however much cut off of it. That goes into a pile. If nobody came and cleaned up that pile, it would yeah. slow down the rest of the work that was being done in the house. Good so same thing with our bodies, right? Um, the more we can keep everything flowing to all the different parts of our bodies, where it be the tips of our fingers or right to our heart, to our eyelashes, the more there's a flow of nutrition, the longer we live, the better we can heal and the more fun we can fucking have, right? Like, oh, for sure. I like to train pretty hard sometimes and I get hurt <laughs> and I want to be able to heal up. So well, that's exactly that. why I'm, I, that's exactly why I'm looking at this too, because like I'm, I, ha I have a friend who helps me with supplements, but man, if this is something that I can just learn for myself and start mm -hmm. to like cultivate, this is beneficial for, you know, survival, but just for, you know, like you say, cause we, you know, we do our thing and we get hurt and you know, we have injuries that are stubborn and they stay and this would be yeah. a great way to do and, and also a great way to save. Um, oh, huge. While doing it. Right. Cause yeah. I don't really trust what I buy in the stores anymore, man. I, I just, I don't, you know, and um, this is, a, this is invaluable. For the most of the stuff that you're talking about, is this something that you ingest orally or is it something that you like, is there, is it like you have to boil it? Can you just chew it? Like, how does that work? What's the, what's the common thing? It depends on what the, what it is that you're consuming. Um, like for that, know, like, for example, those, those, those two that you were talking about, like the, the, yeah, the, the and the chickweed. Yeah. those guys, um, I generally use them in teas, like more often than not, they get put in teas. Um, but you could put both of them into anything else. Like, you could do uh, an or sorry an, an oil extraction, you know, soak them in um, in like olive oil for six weeks, six to eight weeks, strain it out, add that oil to beeswax with a bit of shea butter, and you've now made a, a salve. So you can add that topically, and you'll get the transdermal um, integration of the nutrition into your body. So if you have like um, achy joints. Um, and you add a topical salve to that, it heals up the ache. And so with this kind of nutrition, you can then take what we call like skin food and you can add it into the salve in a non-toxic form like beeswax um, and shea butter, things like that. They're that totally okay for your skin. Rub that on topically and it'll send the nutrition from these plants, mushrooms and stuff directly wow. to the wound. Um, I, yeah, I've seen people rebuild some, like, I had a buddy who was a skier, professional skier. He had fucked up knees. Um, we made, a, like, an 18-plant salve for him. Um, I think it was, like, 15 to 18 plants. It was crazy. And, yeah, he healed his knees up within, like, a few weeks. And what? it was just from this, like, this nutrition that was getting dumped in. Because when you put it on your skin, um, it doesn't go, through, doesn't go through your stomach or your liver. So you're getting this direct application of nutrition through the through the skin through the epidermis um so it's the difference between like 
ingestion and digestion, basically. Hmm. What books could you recommend for anybody who's looking to get into this shit that wants to just start from a good reference point? Uh, frig, I think I got one that's downstairs. Actually, it's a really good one. It's called, um, uh, it's, uh, edible and medicinal, edible and medicinal plants of Canada, um, by a company called Lone Pine. Um, and it will have pictures and descriptions of a few hundred different plants here. Um, no mushrooms, but a shit ton of plants. And are you, are you actively like spreading this information to, cause I see you have a small, I have, like you have a community that you work with. I see that you post, it's pretty cool. Are you doing this at, uh, like, are you training people to do this or is this just information you're sharing with your community? Um, it's yeah, it's like, uh. There was a while, like before I left, I left the city for about six years. Um, and before I left, I was doing a plant workshop every Sunday and I had a decent little group of people. Um, but with my martial arts stuff, my, like all the guys I teach outside of the gym, this is part of their lessons. So like when they train Shizen Den, um, this is part of their um, curriculum to learn plants. Like I've got, um, yeah, I got a guy right now who's on his first level of the curriculum and he's got to learn at least um, five plants before he can move through. Like he has to he has to learn at least five plants that he knows in each season. So he has to be able to find one of these plants in every single season, like each one of them. Hmm. Um, but he also has to know how to make medicines out of them um, and other places to find them other than what he usually finds them. Um, but he also has to know how to make shelter. Um, and he has to be able to sleep outside in the wilderness and eat his own food for a certain amount of time. So for my martial arts that I teach here, um, if you're training with me outside of the dojo, this is almost always part of it. You know, we're walking out to a field or to a forest to train and yeah, we'll always, I'll always be like, oh man, check this out. This is blah, 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 blah. Look, this is what we can do with it. And if we're training outside, I usually bring my teapot with me anyway and I'll fire up like, I'll pick a bunch of trees or some roots as we're going to our spot to train and I'll make a pot of tea so they can start to begin to create that relationship with the plants or the trees um, through that consumption of all that's in them. And that's usually kind of how I start people is with that. I call it the forest tea. Um, it's usually just a number of like cedars and pines and firs with a couple other plants, uh, but it's enough to get people in. That's fucking dope. When with the shelters, did you did you learn that from like uh, like you said the Boy Scouts, or is this something you learned from somebody else? Or um, I I had a fuck man, I got this crazy instructor on the mountain. <laughs> it's like like I have I have a teacher who is like Yamabushi for real. Like he lives on the side of a mountain that is covered in snow for a chunk of the year. But and he's been up there. You find this guy. Well, I do. It was so weird. I was like, I moved out of the city and there was a guy I knew who was running a little boxing club in this little town that I was living in. And I went there to do some, you know, to get some work because I, I teach kettlebell and things like that. And, and he was like, yo, he's like, I want you to meet everybody. And he's introduced me to all these dudes. And he's this one guy in the corner and he's like, yo, he's like, I want to introduce you to Frank. He's our resident judo guy. And I'm like, resident judo guy. And he's wearing like a black key. And he like looks like he's all like quiet, 
And I was like, that doesn't look like a judo guy. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, man. But, like, he didn't, like, he was not, like, yeah. looking. And so I was like, oh, trippy. So I went and I talked to Frank. And Frank's, like, you know, right away asked me what I'm doing there and why did I leave the city. And I told him, I was like, I, I want to learn more about the woods. I feel a call to them. I feel a connection. I want to train tracking. I want to know all this stuff. And right away, he started telling me about all the shit he knew. And, dude, this guy was the real deal. Like, he was basically in town teaching at this dojo only to find some students, some younger students that he could like pour his intel into. That's um, scouting. Dude, it was exactly. He was totally scouting for, for a new guy. And I just turned out to be that guy. I hung out with him. We had a big, long talk. And then a few months later, I was like wanting to learn how to stick fight. I seen a video of these guys um, from the FCS Cali group. Okay. And they were beat this oh, shit. Oh, is this that one? Is this the one in the woods? Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Those are side effects. <laughs> Dude, that inspired the crap out of me, man. Yeah. That was like three me. That was it. I watched that video and I was like, whoa. I was like, I want to do that. I was like, I've been training Muay Thai for years. Like, I've done all kinds of fighting and I saw those guys just rack each other. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I was like, okay. And I, mess I messaged Frank right away because he had Messenger. And I was like, yo, sent him the video. And I was like, I want to learn how to stick fight. I was like, do you know anybody in the Valley that you know, teaches stick fighting? And he laughed because he thought it was like, he, what he saw them doing, he thought was low level. So he was just like, Ugh. he's like, I teach stick fighting, but I won't teach you like that. And I was like, okay, it's cool. And man, we started training the next weekend and it totally blew my fucking mind. What and is he trained train in? What's that? What's the art that he's training with regards to the to the weapon? Uh, he, so he trained. Um, Frank trained a bunch of stuff uh, on the east coast of Canada and I think the southern states. Um, he originally started karate and judo, I think, and then. Yeah, he originally was doing karate and judo, and then he met uh, a ninjutsu guy that was teaching karate and judo, like, because ninjutsu's got karate and judo in it. Like, it's all basically the same stuff, but it's all about how you create the mechanics and the intent behind your training. And so he met this ninjutsu guy that was legit. He was a, a white guy that had trained in Japan for 30 years um, oh, wow. under like Hatsumi and a number of the other guys before they changed it in the nineties. Like if you look at anything, you know, yeah, ninjutsu, you, when you're using people saying ninjutsu, people kind of like, man, ninjutsu, but you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shit comes from somewhere, you know? Yeah, dude. Oh, I, I, man, I like, I've got, I've got some books that are like, they're just so ridiculous on ninjutsu. Like it's such silliness, but I've also got some books that are legit uh, scrolls. You know, they're translations of scrolls that um, are teaching really valuable intel. And so he, he just happened to meet a guy on the East coast who um, was one of the writers for black belt magazine back in the eighties. And he was a legit ninjutsu guy. He didn't teach uh, what we call Budo Taijutsu. He was teaching legit ninjutsu like strategy he was teaching um principle based learning and so frank went and trained with him and uh and just yeah man just learned all kinds of crazy martial arts stuff and then frank because of the way the life he had it 
same kind of thing influenced his art and the way he studied it. He grew up in a family that taught him a lot about wild plants um, and a lot about bushcrafting. So when he got into ninjutsu, it made total sense because there's ninjutsu is basically 18 skill sets and those skill sets are basically survival and bushcrafting. Um, if you look in the right context with oh. some espionage. That's a great synergy right there. It's it is man, and it, it creates a full it creates a full martial arts system, right? If you're if you're able to go, like let's let's say we you know we have six weeks before our next fight, our next battle. Um, our commander has to get us ready in six weeks. He teaches us what he thinks are the most important things, and then he sends us off to battle. If we're at war and we get separated from the rest of our group, which happens, or we get caught behind enemy lines, or whatever happens. We need to be able to, A, gather information that we can bring back, survive long enough so we can get back, right? Um, and so in order to do both those things, we would have had to have known a shit ton of other skills. You know, how do you make fire in mm. an area where people are looking for you at night? It's so easy to see from so far away. You know, yeah. it's like you have to know. So then you have to know how to make things like a smokeless file, like a, like a Dakota hole. Um, or you like, if you don't have enough food with you, you don't have to know how to find which foods that won't make you sick so you can get back or how to purify water. If you can't make, like, if you don't have a container, so you have to know how to make a container out of wood and then boil rocks to, to get the fire going or sort of to get the water boiling so you can disinfect it so you can drink it so you can get back with the information. Like it's such a huge oh, fascinating shit, man. Yeah. It's cool, dude. It's really fun, you know? And it's, there's so much of it to learn that like. I started getting bored. Um, this is like, I hate saying this out loud, but I started getting bored a bit with Muay Thai. There was a while where I was like, I wasn't getting any new instruction. It was before I'd gone to Thailand and I was getting kind of like, yeah, this is fun. Yes, I smash. But at the same time, it's like, I'm just getting bored. And then learning this other like traditional style, um, this Shizen Den Ryu, which is based on ninjutsu, I was able to keep myself really busy and learn a shit ton of new stuff that just all is connected anyway. You know, it's like, um, if I can live off of what's in the woods, like me and the wife, we were just up in the, up in the mountains for the last two nights, um, at a big protest, uh, that's going on to save, um, uh, the last of our old growth forest system that's here on the Island. And so there's like, I don't know, a few, there's a few hundred people up there. And, you know, that's one of the workshops I want to offer them um, maybe the next time or next couple of times I go up is learning more of what's in their environment they can eat, more of what they can consume to keep themselves happy and healthy. If they get sick, like, you know, when you're out in the woods for months on end, if you get a bug bite or something like that, it can get really infected really quick. Um, and they're fucking way up in the mountains right now. So it's like if they know if they can learn how to make these extractions, utilizing a few different of the local plants and, uh, and fungus, they'll be able to keep themselves really healthy for a long time. Um, and it's, you know, it's like all these kinds of things. They, they find their way into our lives uh, one way or another in a positive way. So you talked about uh, the tracking part portion of it. How long have you been doing that? How deep are you into that rabbit hole? Oh, it's, it's good. It's, it's amazing and horrible all at the same time, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it horrible? Why is it horrible? Well, it, um, it's, uh, Frank's big thing was about creating, like creating lenses. So like, um, something I'm often teaching my students is like, we walk into a room, um, 
immediately our eyes are brought to certain things in the room depending yeah. on our previous experiences in life. You know, like if uh, we were at a certain kind of school that used a certain kind of desk, when we walk into an office, we might see a desk that looks like that desk. And we think to ourselves, yes, that's like my school desk or the complete opposite. Look at that desk. It looks way more comfortable than the one I sat in school. Those kinds of things. Whereas if you have a specific lens that has been developed over time that um, that is layered with lots of different intel, like as far as like plant knowledge and things like that, it all comes together. So like when I walk somewhere, um, I see I see thousands of bits of information that are being flooded into my brain at the same time. I don't just see the trail in front of me and I don't just smell the air, but my body breaks down a huge amount of information, disseminates this massive data bank that's happening all around me, whether it be the, the breeze that's bringing the smell of the person that's walking five minutes ahead of me on the trail or behind me, depending on which way the air is going, whether it be the springtime and the poplar trees uh, buds are opening up because they've hit the sunlight. And now I'm smelling that smell, that resin. There's like all this stuff is tracking, right? So it's like I'm walking, I see all the trees are cut at a certain height. It tells me the certain types of animals that are in that area and the size of those animals. Um, and there's just, there's so many layers that you end up seeing developing these lenses. And it can be hard sometimes because I'll be out with somebody that doesn't spend a lot of time in the woods and they're just like, you know, they're stuck on their phone or they're stuck on like one thing. And my brain is just like creating this massive, massive like scene. It's almost like a holographic like wilderness that's happening in front of me where I see these animals that walked by earlier and I can see the one that stepped and I can see how they shifted to look back to their owner to see if their owner was going to hurry up or not. Like when you're walking with your dog on the beach and you got him off the leash, he walks ahead a little bit, but he'll stop every once in a while and be like, dude, Mark, where you at, bro? Yeah. That shift in his feet. I see that shift when I'm walking on the beach later on. On the, on the imprint and the weight that's been put on it, if it's deeper or not. Yeah. It creates these little, like you'll see it next time you look, you look at his feet when he's walking, when he shifts, there's a way that the ground underneath um, will kind of spall out and you'll <laughs> see that shift. And it's one of the ways we can tell a domestic dog and a wild dog. And so there's like, when I go out to the woods or I even frig when I leave the house, man, even in the city, I see all this stuff. And sometimes it can be hard in, in that it can be overwhelming at times. Um, when you first start to develop the, they call it the tracker sense. That's fucking cool, man. That is yeah, really cool. cool. And do you go hunting? Do you hunt? Yeah, when, when I can. So when you're hunting, <clears throat> Obviously, this is something that you're looking when you're following because sometimes you'll hit a deer or something like that. They don't drop right away. They'll take off in the brush. Now this is where this is can really pay off, right? You can track them oh, down. It's, it's so important. I mean, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's these hunters in the Kalahari um, that, uh, that they don't, they're, they're what we call persistence hunters. So they don't use any firearms. They don't use projectiles like blow, blow guns or bows. They have a spear, but the spear they use at close range. So what they do is they hunt the animal by stalking it and they just keep following it. And what's interesting about a lot of creatures is, especially uh, creatures with four legs, is that they can't regulate their breath like we can. Like when me and you go for a run, even when we get tired, we can start forcing that breath in through our nose, into our belly, up through our lungs and out our mouth. 
in a way that will actually slow down our heart and reduce the amount of adrenaline that's bumped into our body. And so we can run way longer. Whereas an animal can't. An animal has to physically stop its body in order to slow down its breath and slow down its heart. Not only that, but me and you can carry water. An animal has to stop and find somewhere to drink. So between those three things, us being able to find its feet, where they're stepping, um, know in the environment where there's water, that's a huge one, so we get an idea of where it might be running to. Um, but also at the same time, being able to outrun it by keeping ourselves calm and slowing down our breath rate. So there's these guys in the Kalahari that do this, and that's how they hunt. They call it persistence hunting. And they'll just chase these animals down. They'll just stay at a slow, like a slow trot, and they'll just follow them, follow them, follow them until right. the animal finds lies down. It's just like gives right up. Wow, busted. Wild man, wild. Crazy. And what so, do you hunt? What do you hunt with? For me, I'm I've got like mostly I'm mostly small game. Like so, like I'll use bow, um, use bow, use a slingshot. Um, Bulla, like a bulla. I haven't used, I haven't actually caught anything with a bulla before, but it's something I do train with. Uh, rock sling, so like small arm stuff. Um, I'm actually just waiting on my pal right now, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. Um, that will give me access to using firearms, which gives me a, a longer range to, to control um, for my targets, which means I can be a bit sloppier on how close I get to the animals. So mm -hmm. I can now have to sneak as much. Which in itself is like a diminishing skill these days, that uh, that ability to stalk a creature. You know, so many people now just get bigger scopes instead of developing that yeah. deeper skill set. Well, it's also, I find it's, I mean, if you're going to hunt something and you got a gun, then it's kind of like unfair. But <laughs> if you, if you like, even with the bow, it's kind of unfair. But at least with that, there's, there's something... There's something about it that resonates from the old. It's old, you know. It's it's something that you know your forefather. Like even before that, it's just something we've we've kind of done, and it's you lose it because you have something better now. But when that something better goes away, where the fuck's your where's your jump off point? Man, that's it. I know that's why that's why things like snares and different types of traps like deadfalls are so important. It's because like you fall out of your kayak, um, all your shit went up the river. You're stuck. You don't even have a lighter. You might have a knife around your neck. You might have still have a knife in your pocket. You're cold. You're wet. First thing is fire. You yeah. get up there. If you have a lighter with you still, if you have a ferrocium rod, awesome. If you don't, okay, then it's bow drill. So you got to make a friction fire. And immediately, once you get that fire going, you're probably going to build shelter. I mean, I would right away. I'd probably go fire shelter. The next thing's going to be food because um, I just fell out of water. So there's a chance there's clean water by me. So that I'm going to go into food and then I'm going to be probably setting up a whole bunch of different um, types of uh, traps. Like I'm going to use a combination of different types of snare traps. Uh, I'm going to use combinations of different type of figure four uh, triggers for different types of traps. Um, so, like, so that's one of the things that we often teach is um, trigger systems because you can take one trigger system uh, understand how it works and then you can apply that to hundreds of different types of traps depending wow. on what you're trying to kill the environment you're in what you have for bait and what that creature whether it be a person or an animal what it is that will trick them in order to take the bait um, because like let's say we're out in the woods with Paulo and we want to hunt Paulo let's say we're hunting Paulo hi Paulo um, so if we're <laughs> hunting Paulo there's certain things I know he will go for that are on the ground 
if they say there's a plastic wrapper of something, he's not going to pick it up. Like he won't even look at it. But if I put something on the ground that I know he'll go for, right? Maybe it's something of his. Maybe I took his um, vaporizing machine earlier on and before he realized it. And now I've used that as his bait. He'll go for that more than he would a random ball cap or something yeah. like that that's on the ground. And if I can get him to touch it or if I can get him to get close to it, then I should be able to trap him. So what's like, what's the most basic kind of trap that you could set up in the woods without bringing shit with you? I'd say, yeah, I'd probably say the easiest if you don't have a skill set um, that's refined. Because like with snares, you're going to need to understand cordage to some level. Um like to some level, like you could try making one out of a branch that you have it, like you could use a spring snare. So you could use a, a bendy branch and then try to make a snare off the top of that branch, but it's not going to really hold. So like understanding cordage is going to be another part of that. So I'd probably say something like, a, I'd probably use a figure four, figure four trigger. Um, it comprises of three different sticks and they interlock. There's a, a way of creating interlocking patterns so that they can bear weight on one side and then has a, um, uh, a bait stick that's attached to it. So when the bait stick is moved, that weight, whatever it was holding up is released. Yeah. And that can be a million things like that, that, that trigger system can be applied to a lot of stuff. We can make it for, we could use it to kill a bear. Um, we could use it to kill anything as small as a rabbit. We can even make it small enough to kill a mouse. So understanding that particular trigger system, it can be applied. We could use it to drop a car on somebody. Like it's it's a really well-developed trigger um, that can be applied to a lot of things and can be made if we don't have a knife. So if all we have is a fucking rock that we find in the ground that's too big for me to pick up, I can still use a side of it to shape on. You know, like there's just, there's, there's always a way. It's just understanding how to do it. That sparks another question in my mind. How did you get into the art of making uh, weaponry from your, the elements around you? Did I was you part of the ninjutsu. Raw, wow, really? Yeah, it's. I mean, like, like I remember, like when I first started with Frank, we first started with the stick fighting. That was like the, um, yeah, that was the gateway. That was the gateway drug was the stick fighting because I just wanted to like I, I like sports. I like to play. Um, I like to play with people, I like to hurt a little bit. I like to get hurt a little bit, you know, like I like those games and stick fighting. I thought was freaking wicked. So we just started training all the time together. And then he, one day out of nowhere, he told me he's going to start teaching me properly. Basically he was like, I think I'm going to start teaching you principles. And I was like, <laughs> what? what were we doing this whole time? <laughs> That's right, man. Like. I didn't even understand, like, I was so low level, I didn't understand you could principle-based learn. I didn't even know all that. So I was like, what? And I was like, what have we been doing for, like, you know, like, three months, three months twice a week, you know? Like, that's awesome. Been, like, smashing me, throwing me in the bush, man. Like, it's crazy, because I went from, like, fighting. I grew up here in Victoria. It's, it's a beautiful city, but it had a high crime rate as a kid, and I fought a lot. You know, I got stabbed a number of times. I got in all kinds of shit. And then I went and I started fighting MMA and training in Muay Thai and everything so sport-based. And so I, got, I had to really get it in my head. You know, he's down. Don't kick him in the face. Okay, he's tapped out. Let him go. All those things. I had to train, program, and learn. And then when I started training with Frank... Fuck, man. The second time we were training with him, 
Um, we're stick fighting in the woods and we're, we're using Joe size staffs. And, uh, and I, I can't remember what I did, but I heard him and he was like hunkered over dealing with the pain. And there was this big bramble of blackberry, uh, like prickle bush right beside him. And he just kind of hunkered down in front of it. And I backed up because I thought he was going to do something scary because he'd been like beating my ass the whole time. So I didn't know what he was going to do. And he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, fucking preparing. And he's like, he's like, Show me a bush. in the bush. <laughs> and I was like, why? And he's like, do it. And I was like, okay. So I kicked him. I front kicked him into the bush and he fell into the prickle bush. And he rolled around, he screamed a bunch, and he came out, and he was like, oh, he's like, that was horrible. And then right away, dude, he fucking threw me, tomo, tomo nege, he threw me into the fucking bush. No. Yeah, dude, he rolled and threw me, <laughs> like, right into the bush. That's why he asked you to push him first, so he wouldn't feel bad when he tossed you. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. I want to meet this guy. He had to reestablish. He had to reestablish the war art mentality in me because I had gotten so clean in my fighting from sports. And see, that's the thing. Like, that's a real thing. I mean, I mean, they both have their, you know, they both have their pros and cons. Like, you know, you don't totally you can fuck somebody up, but you don't have to necessarily like keep them into a fucking busy street so they get hit by a car. (laughs) No, dude. But you know what I mean? But having the ability to go there. Yeah, it's important. uh, Having the ability not to have to go there. Yeah, that itself, I think, is the magic fucking uh, thing oh, right there. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent, dude. I've, you know, that's one thing I focus a lot on these days. Being in the city that I'm in is uh, is de escalation. You know, um, every chance I get, I work on it. I talk with my wife all the time about um, things that I want to work on as far as uh, social connections um, and keeping them healthy, happy, and clear as much as I can. Because that was something that wasn't even in my wasn't even in my mind even remotely growing up and you know and learning those kinds of elements from frank that idea that value of all that stuff has been really cool because he's totally like sneak up slash guys throat stuff but at the same time he's like how can we create a win-win situation where we both walk away strong and healthy to take care of our family you know Mm -hmm. like um first time i went to thailand i had to do a visa run in cambodia and on my way back to Thailand after the visa run, um, I got taken to a, a, um, a compound in the jungle by some guys that were planning on robbing me or whatever. I don't know what was going to happen. Um, and because of my past life of, of trouble, I recognized what was happening right away. And which is huge, huge, right? It's exactly it's 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 part of that whole adaptation is learning what is around you at all times, understanding its value, its pros and cons. And yeah, it was 10 dudes and two chicks sitting in long chairs in a fucking compound, totally ready to strip me of all I had. Um, and I ended up grabbing, um, ended up having like a moment. <laughs> I had my sticks with me because I was training Krabby Carbon with uh, Crew O. That's why I was in, that was why I was actually in Thailand. Um, and uh, yeah, the dude, the main dude that was there, he was like, he was being hella sketch and came up to me like he was going to try to take my shoes or something or go through my bag. And I just grabbed him, showed him a couple of the basic stick locks I had learned from Frank, shoved him back. I put my stick down, I had a neck knife with me. I grabbed my neck knife. I grabbed his arm again. I showed him, I gave him one chance. I showed him where I was going to cut him and leave him. And I put my knife back and I shoved him. And, uh, 
Yeah, it got me out of the situation. Um, the short and the skinny, and then I had to run from a cop to the fucking airport, and the whole trip was absolutely bonkers, man. Cambodia and I were not getting along at all. <laughs> it was so crazy there. But you know that whole idea of adaptation um, to your environment, whether that is uh, learning what's around you that I can use as a force multiplier um, by pushing somebody against, pressing somebody against, pulling them over, tripping them over, or making an axe out of what I find in garbage. It's all part of the same awareness that we teach in our school of um, adaptability. It's like, I can be only as adaptable to a situation as my mind understands the situation and my abilities within the, those parameters in that context. What are some examples, um, you know, what are some examples of some ways that you would actually go about training that or drilling that? Mm. Uh, one of the things I do a lot of <clears throat> is like, cause I, I ride my bike um, quite a bit here to town that we live in is like, it's, it's set up really good for, uh, for bike riding. So I bike a lot, uh, which allows me to think differently than when you drive. Uh, I don't have to pay as much attention to the road. So that allows me to um, catalog areas of um, goods that I might need that I can produce other things from. So like when I'm riding through an area, um, I'll go through all the different plants that I know they're in that area. I'll go through all the different trees that are fruit bearing that are in that area. And I'll do the same thing with mushrooms. So I'm creating basically like a, like a three dimensional uh, catalog of um, things that I might need. And I do the same thing with weapons. I do the same thing with shelter. So if I'm like waiting for a bus in a city, um, like I was uh, in Toronto a couple years ago um, and I spent a lot of time down Church Street walking around and just kind of playing the same game. If I had to sleep here tonight and I had to hide from the cops and other homeless people I slept, what around here could I harvest to use mm -hmm. to do that and where would I do it? And so I spent half an hour while I was walking thinking like that and maybe even longer, maybe an hour. And I would just look at the stuff that's around me get an idea and I would problem solve, you know, I pressure test in my mind in a way like, okay, that looks like a good little like nook that I could sleep in, but is it in a place that exposes me to danger via police or homeless people or just guys leaving the bar that feel like kicking a homeless person? Mm. Um, now, how am I going to disguise myself? How am I going to hide myself? Okay. Would that actually work in that nook if I'm set up in a place that has a bus stop right here or has a nightclub right there? Um, or is there a bunch of other junkies around me? You know, it's like a big part of it is playing those mind games, um, going through the scenarios, kind of the same way we do with martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that with people watching. I've done that with people watching where you just go somewhere and you're just like, you watch people, who's paying attention, who's not paying attention, who's a threat, who looks like a threat, why do they look like a threat, where's their hands? Uh, their hands? Yeah, so like I do that stuff because I have training there, you know, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't have... You know, when I was younger, I was more in tune with the wilderness and I still have that in me, but it's just like, it's been so long. It's a very unfamiliar place to me now. Right. And so I want to get reintroduced into it. And, um, but you know, you need to, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing. It's not something you just fucking, Hey honey, I'm going to go fucking in the woods. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
but, yeah, but these things, but these things matter. So it's really just changing your mindset now. It's like okay, I'm people watching, but now my goal is not people watching. My goal is like food source location. So that's fucking cool. I'm be taking that away from this conversation. Dude, for it's sure. the same thing. Totally same thing. And it's like having some basics, um, like basic fundamentals of how shelter works. You can learn that from watching animals, watching animals that spend all year round outside. Um, is a really good way if you're in the woods to figure out how to make a shelter. It's like a squirrel, man. Like a squirrel is out in the shittiest weather imaginable. Um, and yet it does it by surviving in this tiny little pot it makes of leaves and debris. And it's all about insulation and the shape of the insulation. So it has a high ridge on the top of its nest and then it has a really round, tight cocoon of stuff it gets into. And the high ridge, that sheds all the water. Right. If it's thick enough, it'll shed all the water around the middle part of it. So it creates this insulative properties. Um, homeless people are a really good resource of this information for the city. Like if you're wanting to learn how to survive in the city, they're the fucking squirrels, man. Those guys yeah. are sleeping outside all year round in all kinds of shitty weather. And they have to hide all the time from either other drunks, other homeless, other, you know, police, all kinds of people and things that they're trying to hide from and, and deal with. Like one thing I learned a lot from watching homeless people was how do they deal with food? Like when you're sleeping on the street or you're out in the woods, um, if your food isn't in the right, um, if, you, if you don't have your food in the right security setting, it'll get eaten by mice. You know, and it's mm. like, that's a huge pain in your ass because they can make you really sick. Like mm. mice can carry uh, the hantavirus and the hantavirus can actually kill you. Um, and there's other things like, like worms, like heartworms you can get from other bugs. Um, so it's good to like, I would say when you're walking around, look at what that dude with the shopping cart, look at what he's got in the shopping cart. Look at way his clothes are set up. Like, is he in layers? Yo, that is, that is, you know, I just got to stop you there because that, I think that's such a fucking important thing that you just said here. You know, most people will look down at somebody who's homeless, you know? And they'll judge sure. them. They'll judge them, and they'll do all that shit. But really, they're fucking. They got some skills that that we should fucking know as a human oh. being. We should fucking know. Dude, seriously, just they just enforced, and we take it for granted. Yeah, man. Well, you remember? Um, oh, is it in Matthew? Um, they say the meek. They say the meek will inherit the earth. Mm. Um, I think about that sometimes, and I think about. You know, I think about the people that I know of or I know personally that are meek. And I think about how much more adaptable they often are to situations. Um, and I think about that, you know, because like these people, um, they're whatever they wherever they're living, whether it be up in the mountains, like my instructor on the mountain or these people are living on the street in the city they found a way to survive in a way that might not be the comfort levels that we're used to, but they're able to do it all year round, uh, year after year. And if they're not addicted to drugs, if they're not, you know, um, drug addicts or drunks, they often are really fucking happy, you know? And they're like, Frank, man, the guy is crazy healthy. It's unbelievable. Like, he doesn't even eat well, but he is like crazy healthy. And it's part of it's from, I think it's from consuming the wild foods that he does along with his martial arts practices. Um, and, uh, and just the way he is about stress, his stress management between all those things. I think he's, 
yeah, he's in stellar shape and he's really, really sharp, really, really sharp, really smart and has an enormous bag of tricks on not just like martial arts stuff, but like we're talking about principle based learning. He's like, how best do I learn shelter? He takes the principles of shelter that he learned from watching a wild animal or the homeless person takes that principle and then adds that to the real life. Mm. You know, like some homeless guys, they just wear really good, good waterproof layers of clothing and don't even have a real shelter. You know, they don't have a tent or anything like that. They'll just take that, the clothes that they have, put down a mat somewhere with a little bit of like, you know, a bit of tarp or a little bit of greenage over top of them and they'll sleep like that. Um, and again, it's, it's not in our comfort level. And for us, you know, um, growing up in houses, it's quite unpleasant even, especially in the city. Um, but the more you do it, you start to realize, you know, these little details of things that you would change. You'd be like, oh man, I really, I want a pillow. And my head's like, my neck feels all sore. So you start developing ways of using the branches to create a pillow. Or like, yeah, necessity is the mother, man. It is the mother of all teachers and inventions. And so for me, a uh, big one for me last year was the cocoon. I started digging into the earth and creating like a little like a little cocoon area. So whatever whatever shelter I was building, um, I started creating a shape in the earth that I could snug into. And frig, man, I slept way better. Um, like really? I just slept, I, I just slept in the woods. Uh, I guess last Saturday, not yet last night. We slept in the truck uh, last two nights, but last weekend I slept in the woods in what I call a, a bush talk boat, which is basically just a tarp and a sleeping bag and a wool blanket folded over. And that little shape in the ground made all that difference and it made it really nice. How do you deter animal or wildlife uh, when you're sleeping in the woods? That's, you know, that's a good one, man. That's because uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's something I know it's a big concern for, for folks like ourselves, you know, especially because we're not used to seeing or hearing the noises um, and the animals are attached to them in the woods. My worry, my worry is, is when I have my, my, you know, if I take my kids camping or something like that. Yeah. I, I want to understand because, like you say, if you're not aware of the situation, if you're not aware of where you're at, you know, like you don't know the dangers you could be putting yourself in. And just having those yeah. that small basic knowledge. Sometimes it's, all, it's just like in martial arts and self-defense, just being aware and knowing where you're at and who you're with could deter a lot of shit from happening. A hundred percent, man. hundred percent. That's that, you know, that's one of those principles, right? Awareness. Awareness is it's number one. And so for me, it's like um, when I go into an area, I look for signs of predator animals. So I look for signs of bears. I look for signs of cougars. What are those um, signs? For people who don't um, know. So for like, for instance, for like a cougar, I'll look for a bunch of scratch posts. I'll see if it's been scratching a bunch of the trees in the area. Um, mm. I'll see if there's scat. So like cougar shit. Um, if I find some cougar shit, I'll look, I'll like I'll poke it with a stick and see what's in it. Um, what it's made out of, what kind of animals it's eating. Because that'll also tell me a lot, right? So like, let's say I find, let's say I find a piece of shit from an animal. I rip it open and it's made up of an animal that doesn't exist in the area that I'm in. That might tell me, that tells me a couple of things, the possibilities that animal, for instance, let's say the cougar, let's say the cougar ate a rabbit, that rabbit doesn't exist in the area that I'm in. Then maybe the rabbit got lost somehow ended up in that area, 
or maybe that cougar is coming from that area and it's cutting through the area that I'm in right now. And instead of staying as a resident in the area that I'm in, um, also I'll look for, um, like, uh, like a bedding, like I'll look for a bed down area. I'll look for stashes. Like as far as cougars go, I'll look for stashes because they stash a lot of dead animal parts. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they kind of, they do a horrible job at it. So they're easy to find. They'll kind of like, they'll kill something and then they'll like sort of throw some shit on it or sort of drag it up a tree. Um, they're not really good at actually hiding it. Um, bears, same kind of thing. I'll look for scratches uh, on poles. I'll look for scratches on posts. Um, I'll look for their footprints. Um, I'll look for anything that's been torn up. Like if they've ripped up an old log that was full of mycelium that was feeding a certain type of like termite or ant and the, and the bears like those. So I'll look for those. Basically, I'll just look for a lot of different signs that predators leave behind, um, like wolves and coyotes, same kind of thing. I'll look for a lot of bed down areas. I'll look for leftover parts of bodies have been chewed up. Um, now, how do I determine a body from a deer that has been eaten by a bear versus a cougar and a dog. The dogs almost always crush the bones, almost always crush the bones to get the marrow. Whereas I found that the cougars don't really tend to do that. Um, the cougars also tend to waste more of the animal, whereas the dogs like will eat everything because there's, there's quite a few of them. Um, the bears will like, they'll, they'll leave half of it somewhere. They don't bother hiding it. They'll eat part of it and leave it completely and come back to it in weeks. Um, and like, I basically just look for their signs in the area. Now I'll determine if they're in the area. If I find that some heavy tracks in an area, I'll move to a better area that I'll see less of their signs. Um, I piss a lot like around where I'm camping so that they smell it. So they know I'm there. Mm. So it's like, that will also kind of like, that will break up. And that'll deter them. I think That'll so. I think it will. Cause like I've had three, I've had three, um, uh, moments with cougars before. Um, oh, tell me about that, bro. Oh, dude. They, I mean, they, I had moments with cougars too, but that was in my twenties at the yeah, bar. Yeah. Cougars are a trip, dude. The first one I saw was in the city here. Um, and it was fucking huge. Like it was like, its head was the size of a volleyball. Like it was massive. They like to come, they like to attack from above, right? Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like, if you see a wild animal, that's a predatory animal, um, like for instance, a cougar and you see it up front, the chances of it attacking you are very slim unless it has cubs with it, uh, okay. or it's sick, you know, um, it will like the, the three that I saw, one had just been fed, like had just eaten or something. Cause it was so calm. It didn't even care that I was there. It just kind of let me know I was, it was there. The other two, one was running through a bog. The other one was running up a tree. Um, and then as far as bears go, when I was in Cumberland, I used to run into a bear every other week because Yo, of where we lived. Out of me, bro. They're big, bro. They're well, they, big. Still, they can run, they can climb, they can swim. Yeah. They fucking scare me, bro. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're a ferocious animal, man. Straight up. Like, yeah, I, I had some really interesting moments with mother bears and cubs up in Cumberland. Um, Holy shit. I honestly, I think that like, if I can let them know I'm in the area by being loud, um or pissing around the whole area where i am um that's gonna help other thing i can do too is i can deter i can make the area that i'm in uh a le less accessible so like animals most often will take the easiest approach to somewhere not always but most often and so if i can make 
the approach to my camp kind of difficult by putting up broken branches, pushing logs over, kind of making like a barrier. Um, mm. There's a mm -hmm. less chance that the animal's going to want to come and get me. Now, here's the thing. If there's an animal that smells your piss, breaks through the barrier, and he's still in your camp, it's because he wants to get you. At that point, you have to understand it's a fight for your life. It's no longer I'm going to have to scare this thing away. There's oh, he's a chance you have to hurt it. And that's, that's scary for sure. But it's one of those things like, um, it, it's one of those things that will play with your mind when you're in the woods. Um, some of the loudest noises you're, you'll hear at night are from the smallest animals. Like you'll hear, really? oh, it's wild, man. It's so wild. So you'll hear this noise in the middle of the night of something like, and you're like, holy fuck, something's sneaking up on me. And then you put on your headlamp and you go, look, and it's a bird, you know, or it's a mouse. Um, or you'll hear something that's like <laughs> really loud. And you're like, holy fuck, it's a bear. Holy fuck, it's a bear. You throw on your headlamp and you look and it's a deer. You know, it's like they, the bears I find and the cougars I found um, didn't really come anywhere near any of my camps all these years, knock on wood. But I've definitely come across a lot of deer at night, a lot of mice, a lot of rats, um, uh, like um, different types of otters, like river otters and ocean otters. I've seen they come, they come fairly close. Um, within like where I can see them, so like you know, thirty feet or so, um, depending what they are. Like some animals, depending what you have, like mice will come a lot closer. Um, they're kind of like the biggest. The mice are kind of one of the bigger ones you have to be concerned about, whether you're um, surviving in the urban or the wild. Because, like, they'll get into your water and they'll get into your food. And they're so small and sneaky. And they're really ballsy if you got something good. You know, they'll really put themselves at risk to get it. Um, so that's, like, those are my bigger concerns when I'm out there is, like, keeping my food safe from those guys. Like, I know for Frank, he's out in the mountain all year round. And he lives in, like, a tiny shanty that he just built himself out of stuff he found. And... Dude, that guy is like an absolute pro at keeping his food and his water safe because it's been like the single biggest problem he's had the whole time he's been out there. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty wild. <laughs> so yeah, with this COVID shit going on right now, <clears throat> it's making people hard for people to live their, their lives and shit like that. How much would you stress for people to take this opportunity right now since you're allowed to be out for exercise to start getting into this kind of shit? Because for me, I look at I look at the writing on the wall and if you ask me where I thought I think we'd be at two years ago and somebody said, well, you know, this and this, and that, I would shake my head like you're fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. And things are getting crazy. Things are yeah. getting scary. How important are these skill sets? Are you, do you think are going to be in the near, you know, let's say two to three years from now with the way shit's going? Well, like for me, um, I'm a bit of, one of my biggest lessons in life is balance. Um, I can get pretty haywire at times, you know, like when I was younger, I, before I understood what was happening, but I could see a bit of what was happening. Um, I just got firearms and ammo and gas masks and bulletproof vests and big fucking trucks with bulletproof armor. I just went super hard down that road because I had only seen that in movies. Mm. Um, but what looks like what's happening is something more like fifth generational warfare. So it's 
the the crushing of a country over a slow, long, methodical period of time, dividing yes. its people, um, conquering through malnutrition, through um, despondency, through being poor, um, through neglect of uh, needs. Like there's what I see coming down the pipe is a horrible situation um, in a way that we might be able to avert it, but it seems like it's been set in place 40 years ago, maybe yeah. even longer. And we're just starting to see the beginnings of it now. So like, I think like I studied a lot about the great depression um, for that reason to see what did people use? What did people eat? What were people able to create? What skill sets were important? Um, and man, the skill sets that I focus on every single day that I teach my students as much as I can, um, I think personally, they're going to be extremely important starting today for the next hundred years. Um, I see Canada and I see Canada and, and possibly even the States turning into the next Africa, as far as being a resource extraction point. Um, we are heavily in debt to the communist party of China. Um, yeah. we've sold out huge swaths of our resources. There's already infrastructures that have been built throughout our country to deplete those resources. Um, the testing is being put through in our parks for, um, you know, to see if they have oil or if they have minerals, um, things like that. So what I see is the beginning of the deconstruction um, and the deassimilation of this place so that it can be used as a resource park. Um, and because we live here, in order for them to do that, they're going to break us the way they are now, except on a harder, uh, um, a harder scale, because it'll be more over time. You know, like we see in the last couple of years, we've seen um, this fuck since last 2015, we've seen the social system um, completely fall apart. Oh, fuck. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Like people get into arguments now online about stuff that um, means nothing. No, it means nothing to them. And yet they'll get so emotional and so passionate about it that they'll lose family and friends and really high quality connections in their lives because of it. Um, and I know for myself, I struggle with this. Like I get, I've not now, but I have been into, I have gotten into some arguments online where I'm just like, holy fuck that guy. And then after I'm like, man, I'm like, what was I really arguing about? Like, do I even really care? And like, if that guy was in trouble, I would still come to save him. So like, why am I fucking arguing like I wouldn't? And it's by design. Like we look at like the way the media is manipulating us through the information that they're putting out. It's no longer news. It's now propaganda. It's yeah. to get us to believe and think a certain way so that they can control us in a certain way. Um, and, you know, I spent, I spent years, if not decades, looking at this kind of information. And I was starting to think that maybe I was losing my mind until about six or seven years ago and i was like holy crap it's all happening like all the stuff that we used to talk about it's all happening now i can relate i mean i had these conversations with my wife my wife's like you gotta stop smoking weed and fucking watching <laughs> um, but but it's true i mean that's honestly why i took up uh, i started taking up kali yo yeah um, you know that like you ask paulo or steve or joe or any of the guys i train with I can't fucking tell you what the names of the drills are. I really don't give a fuck what the names of the drills are. I think I've yeah. only tested once, but I can do them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, but that's my, 
my purpose in it is like, how do I fucking deal with this? Uh, you know, yeah. uh, how do I use this weapon? How do I use it on the ground? I'm really learning these weapons because, you know, these are, this is a possibility of something that I have access to that I might need to use to save my fucking ass, you know? Yeah. Anywhere um, in the that, world. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm learning it for. You know, I, like I love the art, but I'm not passionate about FMA the way, you know, Paulo is or this guy or that guy. I don't care about, you know, I appreciate it. I respect it. It's a beautiful culture. Um, but that's not what I'm doing it for, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I now want to start getting into firearms. Um, I, I do like, um, I, I play the bad guy for, you know, use of force training for like law enforcement and, and guards. And that honestly, what I'm learning from that is invaluable because I'm learning how they they strategize. Yeah. You know, part, of the reason why, part of the reason why I do this, is like if I ever have a run in with the cops, I kind of understand what their protocol is. You know what I mean? But I also learned the de-escalation and anything from that too. So I'm, I'm just trying to get myself involved in shit that i see are skills i'm going to be needing yeah in the landscape that's coming right because dude, i don't think you that. yeah you know and that's a, that's you know looking at the machete in cali looking at that that size of a weapon um as being an invaluable tool is that's actually the same thing that brought me to cali was i was looking at like because i originally got into krabby carbon and then i started realizing how easy it was for me to buy a, a machete like knife at any single market in any part of the world for like five bucks and how easy it is for me to recreate a weapon that size out of trash that I find somewhere, you know? And it's like, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. As far as like learning that art for that protocol makes a ton of sense, you know, and having, having all these other things that you can add to it, you know, taking your, uh, your other martial philosophies and adding that to that same understanding of, the edge alignment and understanding how you can use that. And then you take survival, you know, and how can you use the machete in a million ways? Like how do you learn how to baton with it? How do you learn how to make fire with it in multiple different regions? Yes. It's a great tool now. It's wonderful. And that's, tool. And that's the one sided vert. Like you look at this and like, Oh, this is a phone, you know, like, you know, they've made it a compass. They've made it a calculator. They fucking yeah, dude. Fuck. You know, and, and, and I'll get an app for this and an app for that. But, you know, like the same can be done with, like you were saying, and I don't think a lot of people, even though it's, you, you say it, they're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. Easy to think of. Yeah, sure. But are you fucking thinking of it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. this, this is the important, this is the thing, because I think that's really a puzzle that people who are serious about martial arts are missing, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a mind, body, spirit. You know, some people tap into the physical and then, the, and then the, you know, the meditation and the spiritual aspect of it. But a lot of people aren't necessarily, oh, I'll eat healthy. Okay, great. But harvesting it and growing it is different than going to the fucking organic store. Oh, yeah. Huge. You know what I mean? Because look at right now. They're creating, they're trying to create like this two-tier system, right? Oh, you can't buy fucking clothes and baby wipes um, while you're in the store. Uh, because COVID's, you know, is dangerous in that aisle. But you could fucking order it online. Well, what about people who don't have a fucking credit card? Yeah. Or don't have a vehicle to pick up? Like, if this is where things are going, you need to start learning how to fucking grow your shit. 100%. And, and make sure you understand how to use your resources. And that's why I bring this up, because this is the kind of, like you say, principle training. Mm -hmm. Be paying attention to now that's going to help us survive what's, what's coming ahead. Totally, man. Totally. I mean, that's, you know, the thing is like, um, the one thing I loved about Frank's teachings is he'll be like, he'll teach something like, um, 
like mutadori, which is like getting off the line, um, capturing their weapon and them somehow all in one motion. And it, it'll first he'll teach it as a martial art. He'll teach it as uh, footwork. You know, um, this guy's coming down the line. I break line of contact, you know, through step and I attack, step, I attack. And then he'll be like, okay, let's do it with weapons. And I'll be like, okay, we'll do the same with weapons. And then he'll be like, okay, um, you got to walk to the YMCA. And there's a group of weirdos right there on the same side of the street. What do I do? I cross the street. I break the line of contact. I cross the street. I walk around them. No big deal. I'm still going towards my goal. I'm still moving forward. Um, now, that idea can be applied to my bushcraft. It can be applied to my survival. And it can even be applied to wild foods and figuring out how do I reach my object, uh, objective but still getting off the X, which might be causing me danger, hindrance, or slowing my goal down somehow. And so it's like we can do the same thing with any of our martial arts principles and we can expand them into a bigger kind of um, – kind of bigger ether and then draw from that it's like uh musashi says um, mm. learn to make all ideas very big and learn to make them all very small so it's like how do we you know unpack this concept of the two-on-one uh control space how do we expand that to a million things and then how do we simplify it to the most easiest basic way to train it learn it and remember it um and it's the same thing with any of our studies you know it's like when you go into a space in which you want to learn, the information being, pre being presented to you doesn't necessarily change, but your ability to uh, ingest that information can change how your body will remember it um, and how you'll digest it over time. And so it's like, I think for a lot of guys that train martial arts, I personally would suggest definitely learning more about not just your environment and what it has available, but learn the people in your neighborhood, you know, mm. like um, meet your neighbors, see the kind of stuff that they have. Like, you know, the people that I live with right now, um, I live in a house. It's a family house with my lady and it's her sister and her husband and their kid upstairs. It's very family orientated. And we all have a very similar, similar skill sets. They were both um, sea kayak guides and wilderness guides for years. So they have very similar skill sets. And then my lady, she's the same way. She's really into the outdoors. So there's a pod of us that can work together. And then the people in our neighborhood that live around us, they have other skill sets that we can then work together with to create a bigger a bigger group in a way. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I can make bread, like I can bake, but there's a lot of other things I'm better at doing. You know, whereas like if I can get in with the baker guy and he needs certain things that I can know how to forge or I can offer him protection, or I can offer him, like, maybe I understand how to get, um, I know how to, like, remake things. So I've got this guy helping me with an RV right now. Um, I'm trading him plant knowledge, because uh, he, him and his wife all want plant knowledge for the same reason that you do. And he's trading me how to fix my RV, because he knows how to fix RVs, and he also knows how to make all kinds of fuel expedient shit out of garbage for the actual RV itself. Like totally crazy, man. Like we redid the whole gas line a few weeks ago and it looks brand new and we spent almost no money on doing it. Wow, and it's that's that same level of adaptation based on the awareness of your options in the context. And that's exactly what I think they're trying to sabotage, man, is that sense oh, of community yeah. and bartering system. And that because 
you know, it, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to survival. I'm fucking cold and you're hungry. You got a blanket. I got a piece of fucking pig's leg. Yeah. Let's have a, let's have a party. Yeah. You know, and, uh, I think this is part of the reason why they're making people scared to talk to each other. Oh, it's scared totally. to be around each other. And I think people need to fucking wake up. Don't take my word for it. I'm just some fucking asshole in his basement drinking whiskey at fucking four in the afternoon. But, <laughs> you know, look around you. You know, look yeah. around you and understand because it's going to get to a point where, like, you know, how do you get away from the government's control? Well, you have to be self-sufficient. How do you become self-sufficient? You have to learn these things that you're talking about. But not only that, what I don't know, I can learn. Yes. And people need to appreciate appreciate how important they are and what their skills are and how it could be used for somebody else who doesn't have that information. And that's how you start that real network, right? That's how you gain power. Oh, it's huge, bro. Huge. I, I totally concur. I find that like, um, you know, for me, I was like, I was on the survival trip and I was totally on a lone wolf trip. I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to just... Um, learn how to fight better. If I have to deal with a bigger group of people, I'm going to have to learn how to use different types of um, tricks, weapons, traps to deal with bigger crowds. And then I was like, Frank, Frank takes, he tells me one day, he's like, okay, he's like, imagine you're the best warrior ever. He's like, you can, you know, like you can punch and smash whatever comes near you. You can shoot whatever comes near you. He's like, biggest warrior ever. You go to battle, you win the battle, you come back home, back to your shelter, your house, whatever it is you're living in. Mice got in, chewed up your food and pissed in your water. Ripped up your bandages maybe. And it's like, I just finished this crazy battle and now I can't even come back to re-nourish, re-mineralize because I was a solo guy. Whereas if I was working with a community of people, the chances of the mice getting into our house is far less because while I'm at battle, somebody's back at the house baking bread, fixing my armor, loading up my magazines, whatever the thing is. And that's, mm. you know, it's like people forget, you know, when they look at warriors, modern day warriors, they look at soldiers um, often and talk about, well, you know, uh, tried tested method by soldier um, X from whatever military background, blah, 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 blah. Something that they don't realize is that behind each one of those soldiers is a fucking lineup of logistics. It is an, a massive logistics net for every single one of those soldiers. None of those guys sew their own gear. None of them fix their own shoes. Rarely do they make their own meals. Like they don't build their own gear. You know, like they don't press their own bullets. Like it's, this is all a logistics trail behind them. And <laughs> something that people forget is that we need that. We need those logistics to work together. You know, like I was studying this thing about um, how our brains develop. And they were saying that our brains developed the way they did because we were in communities. Like if we were living in the woods as wild people and we were only with our lady and with our two kids, the amount of time that we could spend protecting our family and harvest what needs to be harvested and fix our shelter and get water would be really difficult. Whereas if we're working in communities together, our kids can develop in a slower way. Right. Like our, think how long it took for your first kid to learn how to walk. Right. Compared mm -hmm. to a deer, a deer walks within minutes of being born. And it's and it has to do with the way um, its community or lack of community works. And so it's like it's it, there's just so much science behind why we need communities. I mean, our, our, our bacteria, that's another big one. It's like 
we get bacteria from touching other people that we might not have ourselves, and that bacteria helps our immune system, builds yeah. our gut, gives us a strong, healthy mind. Like it does this huge plethora of stuff. And I think that like, yeah, the more we can hold tight through all this shit that's going on, I think the better off everybody's going to be. It'll create more of a win-win, really. That's that's the real in this together. As far as yeah, I'm man. That's why yeah. I post that. Like whenever I post we're in this together, it's not because I think that, you know, the COVID propaganda. I'm thinking about like how we need to forget about what they keep telling us. And we yeah. need to remember how much we actually need each other. Um, like what you guys are doing at the boudoir, I'm just like, it makes me so happy. Whenever I see those videos, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, that's so awesome. Man, it, it just happens so organically. It's like, um, it's just cool, man, because we just, we're just there to fucking do what we love. Right. And, that, and that's all it is. Right. And, um, yeah, we, we all, man, we're all very different people. We are all very different people, but yeah. it just it fucking works when we're there, man. You know, yeah. it's, and that's, and that's the thing. It's like, nobody's trying to be better than the other. We just all know who brings what to the table. And that's a community, because, man. Yeah. And that's all it is. And because we know, what each one of us brings to the table, we know together, you know, we're something stronger together than we would be by ourselves, right? Yeah, 100%. And that's the kind of mind, mindset that, that that shit needs to happen, you know? Like, it's just, I just find it so strange when you live on a street and don't know who the fucking people's names are that live across from you, man. Yeah, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous space to be because, like, you know, if Bob lives down the street, and even if you don't like Bob, even if you don't get along with Bob, you know his fucking name, but you know his <laughs> name and you know, maybe something about him. Maybe, you know, his, um, maybe, you know, his position on firearms. Maybe, you know, his, his job, maybe Bob's a fucking fireman. Yeah. That's a good guy to know, man. That's a good guy to be friends with, but maybe Bob has a weird constitution. And he's one of those kinds of guys that would show up to Walmart on a Black Friday and punch a kid. Yeah. That's good to know about Bob because yeah. if the shit hits the fan, that's one of the guys who's going to come to your house to get your stuff. Yeah, it's like it's good to understand that surrounding, like what's going on around you in your neighborhood for that exact reason. Because I mean, they're going to push us, man. I really think that the government is going to push us as hard as they can to get us to snap. And, you know, they're going to do it through all the things they're doing right now, except they're going to do it for a long time and they're going to increasingly up the volume. You know, it's like we've already seen, like, the price of food in the last year, how much it's gone up. Um, Fuck. It's crazy, man. Crazy. Price of gas, everything's you know, gone through. Saying, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, these fucking skills, learning how to fucking find your food, learning how to grow your food, learning how to hunt, learning how to gut an animal, learning how to preserve an animal – this is the shit they don't want you to learn. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want you to learn about how you should fucking, you know, give kids fucking drugs to stop their fucking hormones and change their fucking sex. When these kids weren't even fucking thinking about this shit until you put it in their face anyway. Yeah. Like it's just amazing on what people don't really pay attention to. And and that's oh, why yeah. I say, having you talk about this shit, I think is super important. I think because most people, you know, if they, they most people will understand when there's something sound about uh, a topic an object, a skill. They, they, I mean, we're smart enough to recognize it, but the problem is, is that we're, we've got these blinders on. Sometimes all it takes is for somebody to just fucking do that. Totally. And, yeah. and that's it. And then off they go, right? Because it's not about forcing people to, hey, listen, uh, I call up my friend. Hey, you better fucking go pick mushrooms 
and buy this book because this is going to save your life in 10 years. I'm a fucking idiot. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm an idiot. But if I start asking them questions like, hey, um, what are you going to do if they close stores down? Yeah. I never thought about that. Have yeah. you thought about actually like foraging and like, uh, you know, creating box planters in your backyard and growing your own food? Oof. How do I do that? Oh, yeah. well, here, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Dude, oh, it's huge, man. I do, I play the same game with myself all the time. I made a post uh, last week about our blind spots. Um, oh, that's how, Yeah, I got to know about our blind spots. And that's something that, like, again, Frank has been awesome for because he's just, like, he doesn't have the same kind of filter. Like, he doesn't spend a lot of time around people, so he doesn't have the same kind of filter. So he'll just fucking say something. He'd be like, you're pretty cocky for not knowing a lot. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome it's like, you need those people in your life man you do you they're invaluable people. they're invaluable man and i think about things like that i'll be like okay where do i get fats from if all i can hunt is lean animals where do i get fats because dude like you can totally get rabbit starvation like people people die from eating too much protein with that's not blended with enough fat and I was like, what? So I had to look that one up. I got on, it was one of those things that came up when I was studying about what they did in the Great Depression for, for nutrition. And something that came up was people would take a piece of meat, put it in the basement or the cellar. They would let the flies get on it and then go hide it somewhere. And what would happen is the maggots would then be born on the meat, eat it and convert the meat in their own body into fat because they consume the, the muscle mass. So then you have to consume the maggots, um, which can be done in a whole range of different ways, whether it be you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> totally. I'm fucking fast. I'm loving it, bro. Like there's so much shit. I don't fucking know. I need to know. Oh, I feel the same way all the time, dude. <laughs> Unbelievable. But I feel like I have a responsibility to learn this shit now because, you know, now is not the time to, oh, it's a conspiracy. Like I'm looking at, I'm looking at this. It's like being at a fucking party and watching people get hammered and just waiting for somebody to fucking start swinging. Oh, oh, I know that. I, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, it's what I'm seeing. I'm like, hey, I need to know who the fuck am I leaving with? How am I going to leave? Yeah. Where, you know, like this is what I'm looking at. And I've got kids to think about. Like something as simple as getting my, like I bred my dog. I bred my dog and I said, I just want the firstborn. Why am I getting that dog? Well, I want two dogs in the house in case somebody breaks in. I don't have a pit bull, but if I have two dogs better than one, right? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Not only, yeah. That, not only that, my kids, my kids, they can't see their friends right now. I want them to learn compassion. Yeah. I want them idea. to learn how to care for something. What better way than to give them a fucking, like, a life to be responsible yeah. for? You know what I mean? So, like, there's, there's, re there's methods to my madness, but not only that, it's like, I want to fucking, I want to be able to have these simple skills that if shit goes wrong, man, I, I have to, it's not just for me. I have to do it for them. Like, I wouldn't even know that just eating something that has protein with no fats is going to fucking starve me still. Like that's, yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff like that, man. And you know, that's, I'm, I'm stoked to hear that you're, that you're looking at it that way as far as like um, seeing beyond ourselves. Do you know, like it's, it's a type of, um, so when Frank teaches meditations, um, he doesn't just like say, okay, you know, standard, sit quiet, breathe quietly, blah, 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 clear your mind. 
Um, he'll he'll tell you to sit or walk or stand or jog or spar or whatever the time is that your mind starts to clear, and he'll tell you to meditate on different things. Like, what are you gonna do when you like like when you die? Who's gonna deal with all your shit in your house? Because mm. somebody has to come in, go through it, throw stuff out, give stuff away to other people. Somebody has to do that every single time, right? Um, and then if somebody, if I get hurt, how am I going to get to my family and take care of them? You know, like, let's say the, let's say, let's say for instance, our money keeps devaluing, like, um, and everything keeps going up in price and they create what they call stagflation. And all of a sudden we're back in, you know, the great depression and there's roving mobs, um, in areas because now police have been completely defunded everywhere and we're up on our own if my kids need something it's like how do i get it you know i have to think bigger than just what my own needs are because i can go i can go sleep under a log somewhere and live for a hundred years i know enough about myself i could take a knife and a water bottle and a toque or something maybe (laughs) and i'd be fine man Uh, but if i'm leaving with my family and we have a newborn with us. Um, now I need to know a whole bunch of other stuff, stuff yeah, that we wouldn't even think of. Like the breastfeeding mom gets a cracked nipple from the nipple being chewed on a whole bunch by the baby. What the fuck is she going to put on that when we're out in the woods and it starts to get infected? There's plants that I know. There's a whole bunch of plants I know we can use. But if I didn't know what to use for those plants, that is another level, another variable that we have to deal with in our survival. Um, and the more we can develop that in our martial arts, um, it will develop all the martial arts. So like when I learn plants, um, I learn birds. Um, I study a lot of bird language and stuff too. So like if I, every time I learn something like that new, that actually over time, um, the energy and the focus that I put on learning that new creature will create um, a variation of my punch it will create a tiny variation of my footwork because I'm now unpacking something I've done 10,000 times just a little bit more because my brain has just gotten a little bit bigger. So I'm able to take some old skill that I've known for a hundred years and I'm now able to expand it even bigger off of this other skill set that seems unrelated, but the way it builds our brain, it all works together. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I'm going to tie this into martial arts because we're both martial arts, so you'll get me. But it's just like you see fighting. Fighting is survival. Fighting has been with us since the beginning of fucking time. And everybody naturally, you know, whether they have training or not, they're naturally going to know how to fucking hit something, you know, or grab something. You know, how well they do it, how well they do it, you know comes from their father and their father's father sharing their experience right and then you know a family you know way of doing thing or a tribal way of doing thing and then this tribe fights that tribe that tribe had a better way of doing it they fucking win but these guys now learn and extract off that now that you know what i mean so it's just like a, a ripple effect but like it's it's like you say right so like fighting is fighting it's something we do naturally and then you know, you learn how to do it for sport. It becomes a whole different set of rules and this, that, and the other. Same thing with living. We're living in a world that's created 
we're living, we're building these buildings, we're building these subways, we're building cars, we're building these rules, these regulations, but nobody is in fucking tune yeah. with living in the world we were given. Dude, right? You gotta learn it's to be a deer. Really, yeah. It's like, stop thinking you're gods, you're fucking animals put on this yeah, planet. Straight up, man, straight up. You yeah, know, and that's better humbleness. Off. That's that humbleness and that, that's trying to play God, you know, that's been, whether you're religious or not, you know, I don't give a fuck what religion you're in, 10 toes to the ground, you know, yeah. because that, this, this is, this is the matrix in which we are given to live in. hundred percent. And it's like, you know, uh, we were just driving back from the, from the mountain this morning and, uh, my lady was just saying that how like so many of our problems right now we're facing in the world could be fixed if we simplified the way we live and moved closer to the earth um you know i'm not i'm not saying that everybody has to live like a deer as much as i know that would help but it's like if we you know did more of everything locally you know we've heard about that for years about local economies but if we actually did it like if we weren't buying all of our fucking bullets and and uh, medical supplies from China, a country that we're possibly in a cold war with. <laughs> like, that's totally bonkers. If we it's a different type of war we're fighting with them. That's an insurgency. Oh, it is. It's, it's a, it's a fifth, fifth generational, man. They, those guys are super smart. Like, I myself um, sit around and talk with friends about their strategies, and it's strategies we can look up in books um, that are like Chinese classic books about martial arts. But yeah, it's right, exactly. But problem is, we're often seeing it in hindsight. Do you know what I mean? Like, I had no idea back in 2008 that they were going to buy up um, a chunk of the province I live in and then force us into a deal three years later that would make us basically give up resources or be in debt to them. Like, I had no idea that was a thing until it already happened. And I was like, holy crap. I was in Cambodia, I saw the infrastructure that was being built by the Communist Party, and it was scary because they're a country that's a, it's an emerging economy, as they call it, and they're being taken advantage of by this you know emerging powerhouse, this emerging superculture. And it's scary because they're doing that to all these countries. You know, at one point there was all these uh, there's these countries complaining in the UN about human rights violations coming from China. China went into those countries and built uh, infrastructure, aqueducts, and roads. Um, the next big meeting at the UN, none of these seven countries complained. It of was course, like they complain. No man, meanwhile, such high level. Meanwhile, the crimes against religious people in that country are fucking atrocious. You know, but nobody cares because hey, we're gonna set you up. Yeah. With, uh, dude, it's and fucked that's up, it, man. That's it, dude. We're we're in a we're in a place in reality right now that you know, for my generation and yours, I don't think we've ever been in this place right now. And so it's like, we can't afford, as a race, as a species, to assume a small group of very uh, powerful people are gonna have the best interest for us long term. No. And learning, you know, the skill set I call it the five pillars of survival. That's the way I teach it. Um, and it incorporates everything I know as far as survival and martial arts and bushcraft. And it, I break it down in a way that someone can learn um, food, fire, water, shelter, security 
separately and also overlap because each one of them overlaps. Like I might build a shelter, let's say um, it's in the shelter program and it's just a shape of a, of a tube, but where do I put it is going to determine how secure it is. Um, you know I got I mean? a quick story for you. I got a quick story for you. I went fucking camping. Okay. <laughs> I go fucking camping. I put my tent. I don't fucking think that I don't know this shit. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm on, I'm playing a video game and I'm level two and everybody else yeah. is on level 25. Oh no. <laughs> I'm just not seeing it. You know what I mean? And, and most people don't. Right. But if you don't have the practice, if you don't have that training, if you never had somebody to show you, how the fuck are you going to know? You're going to learn through osmosis. Yeah. Right. As long as you learn. Yeah. So I put my tent somewhere where the fucking ground like came oh. down. So when it fucking rained, my tent fucking floated away. I was inside yeah. of my other friend's tent. We're all playing games. It's fucking pouring. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go get something in my tent real quick. And my tent's down the fucking street, down the dirt oh, road. Buddy. <laughs> I'm fucking running, grabbing it. My shit's all wet. Like, <laughs> live and learn, right? And, That's uh, a good one. But just simple shit like that, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Oh, dude, that's huge. I, I was in the scouts uh, as a kid and our instructors didn't teach us about where to put tents as well as they should have. And the same thing happened to us. Um, me and my buddy, uh, we wrote, we woke up in about three inches of water. Up in oh, the, we were up in the mountains and the snow and holy shit, it was cold. Yeah, and, man, that's not fun. Yeah, you know, that's it, man. It's learning the placement, learning the placement of your gear where to put it can change everything. Cause like if I build a shelter, like a debris hut um, and let's say I can't be seen by person, I can't be seen by man. Um, then I'm going to probably put it Southeast facing so that I get more of the sunlight throughout the day. And then that in turn is going to dry out my shelter, which removes yeah. a lot of different little pests. Um, and at the same time makes it way easier to sleep in. It's not damp. I don't have to be getting cold or hypothermic. Like there's so many little details that, you know, that you can dive into. Like, man, I thought I knew camouflage. I thought I understood camouflage. And then I went and studied under my buddy, Bruce, who he teaches the, the way of the shadow. And it is like extreme high level camouflage. Like it blew my mind completely on how he teaches um, camouflage and survival. Like at one point, this guy was going to university here living on the university grounds in a debris shelter he made what yeah for years <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking gnarly what so the high fuck? level right like he was right he was right there like right by like you know security all kinds of people walking about their dogs everything but because of the way he had set himself up as far as camouflage and everything goes he was on like nobody knew where he was and he had, he was living in a debris shelter because he didn't want to pay rent at the student buildings it's just like took his martial arts to a whole other level <laughs> that's crazy man that's that's next level shit, you know big time yeah that's you know and amazing. i think i think that's it man we were talking earlier about um how to learn this kind of stuff and it's the same as martial arts you go through like um i'm a big fan of like uh, of tri uh, the trilogies i love trilogies so when I teach fire, uh, it's about a trilogy. When I teach um, anything, it's about a trilogy. So I think of like, I have forms when I teach martial art. I teach the form. So you understand proper structure, how you're supposed to move, right? And then we go into drills and we do partner drills. Now you get, 
you get to do the form, but now we get to do it with a bit of activity. It's a bit more dynamic. I get to understand space and timing and angling. All that sort of stuff starts to, stay, starts to really play. And then we add in the pressure testing, the sparring, the lab time. And that those three things, um, whatever it is I'm learning, I will, I will learn better. So like if I yeah. want to learn how to make fire um, from some method I read in a book, um, I'll go through it. I'll really understand it in a real point form. I'll kind of muck around with it at home. And then I'll go into the woods and I'll try it. And um, between those three formats, I'll find um, I'll find that I can problem solve all the way through it. Because maybe my maybe part of my form was wrong. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like maybe I was throwing a Muay Thai roundhouse kick. I was twisting the hips. I was throwing down my arm, but maybe I wasn't stepping off the line. So when I go back to forms and I look at that guy's foot really well and I see what he does with his feet, I see every time he steps off the line and he twists, I was like, frick, okay, that's what it is. That's what I'm missing. It's the same idea. It's like um, I know that a fire lay, like a fire, like uh, when I make a fire, I know that um, I need to have equal amounts of fuel, oxygen, and heat in order to create a, a proper fire. Now, if I want to make char cloth, which is another way of creating your next fire, um, I'm going to reduce certain things within that fire triangle, one of them being the oxygen. And that will suffocate a fire that will allow me to create a char cloth material that I can use for future fires really easily. Um, and so it's all these different ways of manipulating that fire triangle, that three-part system, in order to create an outcome. So like if I spar really hard, but I don't do a lot of forms like kata or anything like that, and I don't do a lot of drills, there's certain things I'm going to learn. Like I'm going to get crazy conditioning. My body's going to get strong as frig from getting hit in all kinds of weird ways or slammed in all kinds of weird ways or choked in weird ways. And in turn, I'm going to develop a strong endurance more than likely. I might not have the best form. I might not have the best technique, but my body's going to be really hard. And in turn, my mind is also going to be really strong to deal with it. So it's mm -hmm. like I can take a little, I can take percentages off one of the fire triangle pieces or the fight triangle pieces, the learning triangle pieces, and add to the other one in order to manipulate the outcome. Um, yeah. And, and once you apply anything, and then once you develop that, you can always go back and revisit and and focus on the other parts to add layers to what you've focused on and concentrated to be built. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah, that's some fucking dope shit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up because uh, my wife's texting me. It's almost dinner time. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> this, was a, this was a fast. Uh, this was a fast, almost two hours, man. Listen, you're a fascinating guy to talk to. Uh, you got lots to you got lots to give. Uh, there's lots to learn from uh, from what, uh, what we've been talking about. I will definitely be checking out that book. Uh, if you could text that to me later, I'll add that when I when I when I um, edit this. I'll okay. put that in somewhere. Um, but yo, I'd love to do this again, man, if you're willing. Oh, yeah, 100%, uh, totally down. And so where can people, where can people reach out to you? Um, I have got your Instagram here. Where else can they get your, your information or, um, or just learn what you I've have got, to offer? I got a course I'm doing, uh, like a subscription based learning course with, uh, with our buddy, Chris, um, on his, uh, Tertia online. Let me just check it real quick. I think it's Tertia. Tertia Training Academy. Out in Ottawa? 
Yeah. 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 So I've got, um, I've got a, I've got an online course through his Tertia training Academy. Um, it's called the five pillars of survival. And so that's like, you know, you pay a couple bucks a month and then you get a new video every other week that breaks down a different skill set or a different way of looking at a skill set you maybe already have. Um, and there's new videos added all the time. So that's a, that's no, a good start for a lot of folks. I'll try. That's a good start for me. Seek this man out, guys. He's got some valuable information. And uh, now's the time to learn it before you need to use it. So once again, thank you so much for being on the part of that, man. I look forward to having you again. Yeah, bro. Thank you. All right. Peace.